veteran or military spouse of an early stage startup or small business and feel like you're making it up as you go, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to The Transition, where we demystify the entrepreneurial experience for veterans and military spouses who've already made or are looking to make the transition from the military into entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Iron Mike Stedman, the voice of the bunker. I'm a Marine Corps veteran, social entrepreneur, and member of the Bunker Labs branding team. On this week's episode of The Transition, I'm joined by Bunker Labs OG and Army veteran Daniel Gomez, CEO and founder of First Person Experience, a company which provides education and training for private and government organizations using an experimental learning model along with interactive storytelling techniques that create unforgettable, teachable, and transformative moments. I first met Daniel back in 2017 at the Bunker Labs Muster in New York City. At the time, First Person Experience ran a live action, interactive experience, placing participants in an apocalyptic scenario with actors and special effects inside a 4,000 square foot building. For a variety of reasons, which Daniel details on the show, First Person Experience's initial business model nearly bankrupted the company, forcing him to close down the live action experience and putting his family in nearly $200,000 in debt. After licking his wounds and paying off his debts, leveraging real estate and other investments, Daniel pivoted his company into government contracts. On the show, he walks us through what went wrong, what went right, and what he would have done differently, as well as his future aspirations. Before you hear from Daniel and I, be sure to subscribe to the Transition Newsletter at the link in the show notes. If there's a topic you'd like me to cover on the show or in the newsletter, shoot me an email at mike.stedman at bunkerlabs.org or message me directly on LinkedIn at Iron Mike Stedman. This episode of The Transition is brought to you by MetLife Foundation and their commitment to supporting veteran and military spouse entrepreneurs. In addition, MetLife Foundation provides mentorship and financial health resources to veterans and military spouses transitioning into the workforce. As always, I hope you enjoyed today's show and that accelerates you on your own entrepreneurial journey. Daniel, I got a bone to pick with you. Go. Here's why, right? I met Daniel back in 2017. It was like the tail end of 2017 at the Bunker Labs um, Summit in New York City or whatever it was called at the time. You pitched first person experience. And I got to, uh, I didn't necessarily pitch, but I got to present about Ironbound Boxing. But I remember meeting you and you were like one of the guys that made me seem like, oh, entrepreneurship, I can do this. It's so fun. It's so exciting. Little did I know what you would get me into. All you guys, you, Nancy Preston, all of y'all that were just so bubbly and energized, you know, I was like, I can do this. I can do this. And then like six months later, I quit my full-time job and got royally punched in the face uh, my first year as an entrepreneur. And now I feel like that that Lance Corporal, you know, who's in, who's in uh, Afghanistan yeah. or Iraq, right? He's like smoking a cigarette, standing outside. Yeah. His, his uniform is all ripped up. He's got mud on his face. And I, I make fun of you all because I was like, you guys didn't tell me what I was getting myself into. Y'all sold me the dream, but you didn't tell me about the hustle. Oh, man. It's like you, you, got, you fell for the, for the magic, right? When you're, when you're pitching, when you're, you're selling, you have to you make it big, explain what can be, right? What's possible, you know, what the success is. But you very rarely get into the failures, the heartache, and stuff like that, right? Yeah. So when I got up there, you know, I was talking about how 
in six weeks, you know, we sold a hundred thousand dollars worth of tickets, right? That's a, that's a huge thing. That's like a monumental thing. But what I didn't tell you is that I was working on my printer, trying to get it to work for four hours that day. I got fines from disability insurance because I didn't know I had disability insurance. I got fines for unemployment insurance that I really didn't have fines for. So I had to unfine myself that way. Uh, I was paying rent, you know, I was trying to sell tickets every single day on my own. I was cleaning my, my toilets of my, my uh, warehouse, right? We don't, we don't get into that type of sexy stuff during the pitch. That you have to experience yourself. It's that extra icing on the cake, you know? I just remember sitting in the front row and you're like, we did $100,000. We got this six face in New York. I mean, you were like, you were like an Instagram model, basically. Yeah. You know how people just put their best, their best foot forward, yeah. right? Like, and I was like, oh man, it's so awesome. And so now on the other side of the veil, I've seen it. Like, I know what the hustle is, um, but it's all good. I just like to pick fun at you about that. Oh, um, I and I think there's a lot of people like that, right? Yeah. Like, you know, you go to an event, you see the entrepreneurs there, they got their little banners, they got their little tables. And like, for a lot of us, let's be honest, like for veterans, like we spend our time in the military. If you had a side hustle, cool. But for most of us, we had no, we didn't know anything outside the military. So you start seeing it's entrepreneurship and you see you all doing, um, you know, uh, I can't describe first person experience cause I don't want to do it without butchering it. Yeah. But, um, just this kind of cool business model that I was like, man, that's so dope. Right. Mm -hmm. But, um, it just comes with the territory, man. So I know we just jumped in and started chopping up, but let's start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and let everyone know what first person experience is. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so my name is Daniel Gomez. I'm the CEO and founder of first person experience. Uh, right now, we are a consulting uh, an education company, right? So we train special operations personnel um, and other government employees in the art of creative thinking and um, human dynamics, how to have negotiations, how to have conversations and, and things like that. Um, so that's what we do uh, for the government. It's a very nuanced job that focuses on human skills. Um, but before that, when back when I met Mike, I was uh, running my own entertainment company uh, where we had basically a live action uh, escape room with multi, you know, multifaceted with actors, explosions, games and everything like that. Um, so that was our first phase of our company. And then after we did that and successfully failed or catastrophically succeeded, I can't remember which. Um, we switched over to the training and education, right? What, what, back to my uh, wheelhouse from the military. Um, but yeah, that's a, it's a it's a it's a small company. It's just my wife and I, and uh, right now we just uh, do some contracts for the government, and we're working on some more stuff in the future. Love it. All right, Daniel, we gotta take off our armor. Yeah. All right, as an entrepreneur, right, real estate developer, you know, full time hustler, right. What's something you're struggling with personally or professionally as an entrepreneur? Oh man, well, for well, our listeners. So today. right, so with with uh, the first phase of my business, right, I wanted to create my own Disney World, something that no one's ever experienced that entertains. Right, we did that successfully. You know, we had uh, over you know 1,200 guests. We had 214 shows, but we didn't make enough money. It's just uh, it's it's uh, kind of challenging and. I didn't know what I didn't know. And what I didn't know was that I needed marketing skills, a marketing person. Um, we, my wife and I, we did everything ourselves. 
Um, so that's like, we didn't, we didn't know what we didn't know. Um, we were creating something brand new and it was really fun. But, um, after we closed that, we had to, we had to recover from that, obviously. Um, and now, um, you know, the ideas start coming again and I want to start a, a new type of business. Um, but the, in the back of my head, I'm like, Hey, remember last time you were missing something. You got to know what you're missing before you start again. Right. So I know I'm missing a numbers guy for the specific uh, HR realm. Right. And I know if I get started and make this beautiful magic that I want to create, um, uh, I'm going to be still be missing that gap. So I, I'm trying to hold myself back right now. Right. And when I'm holding myself back, I'm not working on all the other magic stuff. Right. I'm trying to figure out how to get that missing puzzle piece before I start the venture this time. So it's kind of like, uh, I have the energy, but I can't let it go yet because I'm still trying to figure out some, some pieces of the puzzle instead of just throwing myself in. Yeah. But you also got people like me, you got a great network. Now you got the experience, right? Yeah. So, you know, you, it was your first time at the plate, you know, like I failed yeah. technically with my first business, my full-time one teaching boxing to companies in the New York city metro area. Yeah. I mean, I made it a little lifestyle business, but by no means that I feel like it was a success, right? Yeah. And when the pandemic hit, I was just hanging on, sweating my ass off on Zoom classes like Billy Blanks, yeah. right? <laughs> so I was trying to get out of there as quick as I could. Yeah. But when I launched Ironbound Media, man, it was off to the races yeah. because like I know now the big component of getting an early stage venture off the ground is sales, yeah. right? You got to be able to drive that sales, which means you got to market your business accordingly. Right. And also know about, you know, um, just margin, right? Like making sure you got enough margin, making sure you got healthy cash flow. Like there's all this stuff that like we don't know the first time out. And we get so caught up in the idea that, oh man, this sounds like a great idea. Mm -hmm. Instead of like validating the market, validating that there's a need, getting paying customers and doing it strategically instead of like spending a lot of money. So yeah, I say all that to say, man, you got this, man. Yeah, no, I, 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 I totally get that. Right. You know, uh, we're trying to, uh, in some cases you're trying to make something new, trying to solve a problem that other people haven't solved. And other cases you're making something completely out of this world. Right. Um, yeah. and that comes with, with its own challenges. Even if you know everything, even if you know, marketing, yeah. finance, everything, it still comes with the whole challenges because you have to educate, the customers on it. Yeah. Right. So, um, those are the, that's the things you don't know un until you, you try. And that's what, what, what yeah. we did. We tried and, and, you know, it came up short, but that's okay. We kept going. Right. Cause you have to fail for, you have to fail and entrepreneurs. It's yeah. in the books. You have to fail. It, it's, it's, it's written in there. I'm going to take off my armor. Right. One thing I still struggle with at times is getting frustrated. Cause I'm not, I won't say call it frustrated, but sometimes measuring myself on revenue and money, right? Instead of focusing on impact, mm -hmm. you know, and values, right? So like, I, we were great here at Ironbound Media, had a great year, right? I still didn't break, mil I didn't get a million dollars in revenue like I planned to, right? Um, I'm still chugging along, but I'm way better than I was like, you know, my first year. But sometimes like, because you move the goalposts and you set new goals, it can make you not appreciate what you accomplished mm -hmm. this year. You know, so like this past year, I've been at the Hoover Institution. Mm -hmm. I wrote my first book, you know, launch monster podcast. And it's like, what am I talking about? And it's like, Mike, get out of your head. 
And what's funny was I was thinking about this like two weeks ago, raised over like $100,000 for my nonprofit, you know? And when you met me, I had like, like $500 in the bank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's how sad I was, right? But I was remember, I was at my gym, right? And the kids were, um, we got a little track behind the boxing academy. So they're out there running and I'm sitting up in the bleachers and I'm listening to Jim Collins' book, Beyond Entrepreneurship 2.0, one of my favorite authors. And literally, I felt like he was talking to me because he was talking about his mentor, um, who he wrote the first book with, Beyond Entrepreneurship with. And he had let a, he made a quote, a comment about if you measure yourself, if, if, if you measure your success on money, you will always lose. Always start with values, mm -hmm. right? And I was like, damn, I felt like that hit me in the soul, right? And I posted it on Twitter. I posted that qu quote on Twitter. And again, it's not that, it's nothing major, right? Like I have a successful business, but sometimes it's, you can compare yourself to others. You know yeah. what I mean? Because when you're hanging around business owners that are doing like $5 million, $10 million in revenue, I'm over here at my little six-figure agency, yeah. Like, Mike, you need to step it the hell up. But at the reality of I'm running my own okay. race and I'm doing it in my own way. And so just getting reset on those values. And then the next team meeting I had with my team, I was just like, I want to talk about our values again. You know, and we got a great team. I texted them all this morning, let them know how much I appreciate them and hope they enjoy the day off. Everyone was like, man, we really enjoy working with you all. And it's just great. So I say all that to say of like, I still get in my head sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, and it takes my eyes off the prize instead of just focusing on what I need to do is create the impact, grow my business, grow my team and grow myself. Yeah. I mean, but don't beat yourself up too much. You know, you gotta like you being a, a leader and an entrepreneur, you know, you're, you have to be self-reflective, right? So you have to measure what you've accomplished, know what you're doing and what you're capable of, and then decide where to move forward and how to move forward and what to move forward on and everything like that. And all that's part of part of it, right? Um, yeah. But it's it's challenging. It's not easy, and and a lot of people can't even can't even do a fraction of what you do. In one right. thing, marketing, like fraction can't do any of it. Uh, let alone leadership. Let alone values. Let alone raising money. Let alone a nonprofit. Let alone writing a book. You know, your your entrepreneurs are, are special. We have the ability to do more than other people, right? Um, we have the ability to um, multitask and focus on strategic, tactical, and, and everything like that. And but that self reflection is 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 in there, right? And so you gotta you gotta take time to do that yourself. And it it, it feels like you're 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 lagging a little bit with that, um, but you know, um, it's part of the game, right? Yeah, and it's not all the time. Sometimes it just kind of sneaks in, you know. And one of the things that is, uh, think about before we launched our businesses, right? All the vanity metrics you associate to other people with success. You're like, oh, how big's your team? And they're like 50. You're like, oh my God, that's amazing. Little do you know, the business owner's like, I got to cut people, man. Yeah. That's like a, <laughs> you know, a million dollars yeah. in, in payroll coming out every month. And you're like, God dang, like we don't know this stuff, you know? The, the metrics, right? Remember um, the CEO of Plated came out to, to talk to us? Yeah, yeah, He told yeah. us his stories. And he's yeah. about to axe everyone, and, and I'm like, ah, I get, I got anxious listening to his stories, let alone, let, yeah. let alone that, you know. When I, I had a, my biggest team was uh, 16 people, right? So 16 people on my team, and I'm like, I'm making, I make sure they get paid. Never once in my, in my wildest dreams, did I imagine not paying them. 
or putting them in a position where they wouldn't be paid. We canceled shows only one day out of the entire time we were open. Um, And I felt bad. Right. That's a lot of responsibility. You know, people are relying on that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I I felt good when they came and they said they like working there and they said good reviews and stuff like that. Um, But that's a lot of responsibility. But, you know, you can't compare yourself to other people because it's a completely different animal. Right. You know, just got to. And one thing I've noticed too, as I get older, I got to remind myself, there's also those markets and industries that are prone to more revenue. Right. So like construction companies, they're going to deal in a lot of money, right? There ain't, there ain't too many like $3,000, you know, construction projects yeah, yeah, yeah. out there, right? They're like these big kind of deals. So, you know, when you run like a digital agency or something, it's just a little different, yeah, yeah. right? Well, I, I don't compare myself to nobody because like, you yeah. know, our, our little thing, you know, we created it for like about $15,000. You know, when yeah. I brought the Disney professionals in there, they said they would yeah. easily have dropped a million dollars and it would have created the exact same thing. Yeah. Right. For, for, you know, a fraction of the cost. Um, uh, so like it, it's, it's interesting though. You got, you still got to focus on all those different facets and, and, you know, think about where you want to go. One of the things that uncovered it for me when I, I failed in this endeavor, right. Uh, because I did not make, I spent more money than I made. Right. It's just a fact. So coming out of that, I decided to, um, Never endanger my fi- family's financial future ever again. So I went in and I, uh, with my investment properties, I redid my whole portfolio for real estate investment and paid out and I'm clear on everything, right? So I own a couple properties now. But guess what? If I get sick or get hit by a truck tomorrow, they're taken care of. If I go and yeah. do another business tomorrow and it fails, they're still taken care of. But before, I didn't have that safety net. So when I failed the first time, I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to (laughs) do? And then I went back, dug myself out of the hole, redid my plan, and now I can take the challenges again. I can go back and go out there with with, uh, less fear, right, Uh, fear of failure. Um, But that's something that I I grew in that moment. Yeah. I might need to bring you back on to talk about that. Just kind of like how as entrepreneurs, we can protect our families and stuff in case we fail royalty. Cause I was like, as you're talking, I'm like, man, I need to talk, you, talk to you offline, yeah. you know, about it. Um, just learning how to kind of set that stuff up and talk to my business coach as well. Cause it is important. But before we get into your story about, you know, the failure and what you learned, I got to acknowledge what brought us here today. And that's Bunker Labs, a national network of veteran and military spouse entrepreneurs dedicated to helping our ecosystem start and grow their own businesses. Now, Daniel, you got an MBA from uh, Fordham University, right? You're highly educated. And I've seen you, you know, really give Bunker some praise in terms of like a lot of the educational content that they put out there early on. And even before we went live, you were like, yo, Todd Connor put me on some. Yeah, no, he's a he's a great he create this organization is fantastic. And the biggest thing it creates is a community and resources that can empower veterans to, to become entrepreneurs or to you know, help them learn how to become entrepreneurs, help them be better entrepreneurs and everything like that. Um, you know, when you're out there, we have, uh, in the military, we commiserate, right? We get together as staff officers or platoon leaders and be like, yo, this, this thing sucked. And then they go, you think that sucked? This thing sucked. And then the other guy goes, no, nah, man, I got this thing. It sucked even more. And that's what we got to do. Uh, uh, here at Bunker Labs, um, 
we had to share our stories with each other. Because I was there, I spent five thousand dollars on marketing, got zero ROI for it. And then you know, right. Steve shows up. Steve's like, "You think you spent money? I got this, this, and that." You know. And then he, and then then so Nancy's like, "You think you had a thing?" And then he, she tells her story. And like we learned from each other, and that was just a great camaraderie builder and education piece, which was uh, fantastic. I just remember that event, right? I was still on the outside, kind of looking in. Granted, I had done Stanford Ignite. That was my first, that was like my second Barker Labs event, my first one in New York City. And I was like, this is my tribe, you know? It was at like the WeWork. Everyone was looking fresh, right? <laughs> Everyone had on their best foot forward, right? I was like, whoa, this is awesome. Cause like I didn't have an MBA. I'm like, I'm about to hang out, <laughs> learn this entrepreneurship stuff. And honestly, though, I, I always give credit, man. That was a really big jump off point for me because that pitch got me to be the community manager for the veterans and residents, yeah. which got me eyes with WeWork, which led to a consulting contract and a whole bunch of other stuff that just threw me head first into the community. But before that, like I had no desire to hang around veterans at all. Oh. I was like, I'm getting out the military. I'm rebranding myself, you know, but you know, here we are, man. And I love it. I love chopping it up with yeah. you. It's great. Well, and the thing is like, you know, I'm my own person. I'm, I'm an independent person like i don't go to seek out teams even though in the military you, it depends what job you're in you're either surrounded by people or you're all alone right but when i become an entrepreneur like you know when i did this house flipping stuff we just went and we did it my wife and i completely on our own everything like that but this business stuff completely on our own but then we realized hey we could learn more if we were with a group and that's what bunker labs provided right so you could balance being alone and being with other people, you know. All right, so Daniel, take us back, man. Talk to us about your transition from the military to becoming an entrepreneur and launching First Person Experience. So in 2014, I was the scenario designer, instructor, course manager at the John F. Kennedy Special Warfare Center and School. My job was to design scenarios for special operations soldiers to deal with human dynamic training, right? understanding cultures, understanding negotiations, understanding talking and stuff like that. Um, uh, and I love that so much. I said, what if this were, were entertainment? What if instead of the life or death situations I had to deal with, it was fun? So I studied Disney. I studied theater. I studied live action role playing. I studied video games. Um, I studied all these different aspects. And I said, no one is doing what I'm imagining in my head. And I think people will love it. And um, then by the time uh, I still stayed in the military, but then I decided to get out and give this thing a, a try, right? Go get my education, go try this new amazing thing and create it, right? You know, Walt Disney didn't ask anybody for permission, right? In fact, everything, everybody Walt Disney showed his plans to, they laughed at him, they mocked him, and they told him why he was wrong. But then he proved them all wrong, right? He proved that you can create something completely new and entertaining that no one's ever done before. And I got inspired by that and I wanted to do it myself. So what I decided was I'll get out, stick with the military on, as the reservist, and then go back to New York and see if I could kick it up in New York and do something amazing. And I did. Now, what rank were you when you got out? A major. You were a major, then you went into business school at the same time. Yeah, and then I was while I was doing the the the, I got out and I went to go do my MBA at Fordham, and uh, I was doing the business at the same time. Was this your first venture when you came up with first person experience? Yes, it was. 
So it just came out the gate swinging, huh? Yeah, it just came. Yeah. I'm like, you know, I'm going to do a thing. And like, I should have done it smaller. But, you know, you, you, you live and you learn, right? Right. I, I, instead of spending $86,000 a year on a rental space, maybe I should have spent, you know, 12000 right? Yeah. But you learn, right? And uh, it, it was, I, I learned a lot. We created an amazing experience um, with our own two hands, right? Of blood, sweat, and tears. And it got extremely high rated by Disney Imagineers, Neil Patrick Harris, the Dean of UNC Chapel Hill. Um, all these guests came over and they said it was a, a, an amazing emotional event for them. And they loved it. It's just that we had some hiccups we couldn't overcome with the New York City market that you don't you don't know unless you know. Right. Yeah. All right. So walk us through this. All right. So you get out the military, you relocate to New York City, you're going to graduate school, and you come with this idea for first personal experience. Did you do a business plan? Did you do a pitch deck? Where did you get the initial capital from? I know you've thrown out numbers, right? Hundred thousand yeah. dollars and stuff. Walk us through that whole process of, you know taking it from idea to invoice. So for the first thing was I had to make sure I was financially stable and that was with savings. And then also the GI bill, right? Paid for my school and paid for my, my livelihood. Um, then, so I created a, a, a business plan. It wasn't completely detailed. Uh, and it was, uh, it had some gaps in it, right? Like marketing was my biggest gap, right? I, I lived a little, if you build it, they will come, right? And uh, that was one of my gaps. And then I just knew that once I got the space, that's when the story came alive. I knew exactly how I would bring guests in, what the story's gonna be, how I laid out the whole customer experience, right? Of getting them in there, getting them out, entertaining them, making them want to return, things like that. Um, but the, the, I'd say that was absolutely successful. I, I made a bunch of assumptions, right? So let's, as a businessman, you, you have to make assumptions, right? So I made like a, a hundred assumptions and 90 of them were dead on. Like, I believe people will enjoy experiencing entertainment with other actors. I believe you could put a story in a building and they'll want to come back. I believe that you could have it be unique enough that they would always want to return to find new new prize new surprises. I believe that they would enjoy a post-apocalyptic theme. Like all these things I got correct. Um, but some I did not get correct. For example, I believe that there's a community that'll help support me in this endeavor from the theater community. Wrong. They don't give a crap about you, right? I believe that my family and friends would support me in creating this or sharing my story with other people. Absolutely dead wrong. Only like three people helped me. Everybody else couldn't care less. They never came. They never brought their friends. They never told their friends. And there's no reason why. 22 year friendships. Didn't, didn't bother to visit right or anything like that, right? That's madness. 416 Oak Drive, Oak Pine Drive. Oh. Right, so, um, uh, so that, right, I believe that people write about me. I'm a veteran, Hispanic entrepreneur from Queens, grew up, born and raised. Wrong. No one wants to write about you. Nobody cares about you. Are you going to pay them? If you're not going to pay them, nobody, you know, no, nobody cares, right? Um, 
all those things I, I, I assumed and I, I was it was incorrect on, on, on most of those. And it's a learning, it's it's just something you have to experience. You can't you can't know that before doing it. I remember when I launched Ironbound Boxing, how hurt I was that like a lot of people closest to me were it supporting. And I would get these people I've known literally for like six months. Mike, we love what you're doing. Here's a thousand dollars, you know? Um, and it just comes with it, right? And part of it I think too is like when people are close to you, they don't really know, right? Like, you know, they they assume things are okay. So sometimes like you gotta be your own champion and just ask, right? And like go to them. And then the other thing I was curious about was, you know, and I think a lot of us struggle with this as veterans is like the shameless self-promotion, right? Like um, really promoting ourselves, our brands, our businesses. We think it just kind of magically happens. But I'm curious to know of like, were you putting yourself out there? Like that whole story that you talked about, like being from Queens, New York, Latino, et cetera. Like, were you really like letting people know or were you just assuming that like they were just going to write about you off cuff? Um, no. So I did get, uh, I got like seven, uh, articles from Queens written about me. Right. Yeah. But, um, for example, there, there was a, so I did put myself out there, right. I reached out to them, right. I didn't just hope they would find me. I reached out to them, but like, you know, military.coms like, pff, are you going to pay me? Then no, like, I don't care about you. Army times wrote about me. I was in the Army Times, right? Um, uh, there was a, a group that this was their jam, right? This is what they, they review these shows. They talk about these shows every day. It's a Facebook group. And they, I thought they would write about me. However, they did not, not once. Every single fan of their site that lived in New York came to see my show and talked about how amazing it was and talked about it on their site. But for some reason, they refused to write about me or review me, even after I requested it, even after people who came to the show wanted to write reviews for it. And the question is why, and you'll never, you never know the answer, right? It's just, uh, what's going on here? How come they write about X show, but not mine, right? It's just things like that, right? But uh, you know, you know, like, but family and friends, some family and friends, like people I went to school with, people I went to college with, people I know my entire life, they never came. They never told anybody to come. They never did, did nothing. And I just couldn't imagine why. Yeah. All right. So when you get the space, right? So you had this idea, got your little rough business plan. You finally meet with the developers and they're like, well, this work, right? And it gave you the number of how much it was going to cost. What was that feeling like? And how nervous were you to like really commit and say like, yeah, we're, we're doing this. I thought, you know, I, I just gave it my best, right? I had some, so I had... It was self-funded, all of it. I got an inheritance money. It was like $30,000. I had loan, got a loan from my mom uh, as well. And everything else was my own money. And because I knew that I had to try it myself. I didn't want to lose other people's money. I'd rather just lose, lose my own, right? And um, I did the math and I thought that if we, you know, if we did this process that we would get enough tickets, right? So, so in the, we did a first run of 10 weeks, right? Um, and then we took two weeks off and then we opened it up again, right? So in those 10 weeks, we made over $100,000, right? Um, which is absolutely excellent, right? And if we kept that money up, we would have been solvent, right? We would have uh, 
uh, more than broke even. Um, and, you know, in my head, I'm like, oh, my God, you know, did Dis- when Disney made Disney World, did he like paid off that year and then start making money? Uh, but that's not how business works. <laughs> you have to actually invest for years, right? You have to borrow money. You have to do X, Y, and Z so, to make it viable, right? So after we realized, uh, after we had that initial success and we kept it open later, we realized that it takes a lot out of you personally. You have to be there every single day, night and weekends, you know, and everything like that. Um, and I, I, I believe that the time commitment was too much and the financial was, commitment was too much after opening it for keeping it open for a year. So I decided to close it. I could have, with my numbers, I could have raised money, right? I could have raised money um, and kept it going. But the challenge was, uh, one is I didn't want to keep doing it like that because of the amount of time and money it would take. And the second piece was I needed a marketing expert. But if you gave me $50,000, I don't know where to spend that on marketing because I didn't even have that knowledge. So I didn't know if I should hire someone, get ads or whatever. Like I tried little pieces here and there, but since I didn't, was missing that knowledge and expertise, even if I got money, I would, would have been afraid to, you know, where, where to put it. So that's why I decided to cut the losses and then, and then, um, you know, try again later. Yeah. Just put it into context, right? People hear numbers, they're like, $100,000. Man, I just made $3,000 this month. That sounds amazing. Uh, I'll tell you right Honestly, now. Honestly, how I'm, hard was it to make that money? Yeah. Oh, so every single day working, working, right? Uh, I'll tell you the numbers right now. I made, uh, uh, it cost two fifty. dollars I made a hundred. So that's, math is negative $150. That's, right. how we, that's what we ended up with, right? Um. But, uh, you know, to make a hundred, I know I did it in 10 weeks. It took a lot of work. I mean, it took a month of training my staff, right? Um, a month of building the space, right? And then, uh, uh, two months of execution, right. To, to, to make, to make it happen. And that was, uh, the, the, the first, go, the first, the first go anyway. I wrote a post about the art and science of veteran entrepreneurship. And I think I'm going to turn it into a larger blog and probably talk about it here on the show. But I think as veteran entrepreneurs, one thing that we're always told of, we make great leaders, we got the grid and hustle and all that stuff, which applies really good in the military. Like our skill set works really good in the military, right? We know the art and we know the science of leadership in the military. We don't know the art and science of leading a small business, right? And yeah. it's a little bit different because it's, like, it's I'm different. even thinking about, I'm thinking about your situation. I'm like, yo, what were the systems and processes like that when you're making it from scratch? Yeah. That's really what you're doing. Well, uh, it was so funny. We had a, an expert come in. She, she did this immersive experience in New York city. She was the, the manager of it and she came into the building and it was an office building. And I told her I was opening next month and she was like, okay. Right. And she gave me advice and, and everything like that. And she came back a month later and she was like, you know, you were showing, you were telling, you were talking a lot of stuff and I didn't believe you. And I'm sorry because this looks absolutely amazing. Right. Right. Cause you yeah. have to have grit. You have to have initiative and actually be able to do it. Um, one of the things that goes, one of the skills that transfers really well between vet and uh, being a vet and entrepreneur is like um, fear. 
right? We have none. <laughs> it's like, like, oh my God, this thing's broken. This person didn't show up. They want this. They're asking for this or this happened. And I was just like, okay, right? And then my staff is like, you know, how could you be so calm? Like everything's not working. And I'm like, is anybody shooting at us? And yeah. they're like, no. And I'm like, so why do I have to be worried about anything, right? Like, like if they, uh, someone asked, someone wanted their money back, like we had two people, we had to give the money back. Yeah. Out of a thousand something. And I said, hey, here's your money. No problem. Sorry. Right. I, I mean, I'm come back again if you, if you want, you know, right? No problem, right? I wasn't butthurt or anything like that. It's just easy stuff or like, um, let's, you know, that thing's not working. Let's do the other thing. Too easy, right? Um, you have to be able to be adaptable and things like that. So, but to, to do this, I mean, we had to take guests through an entire story of 75 minutes with, you know, uh, up to 19 moving pieces, people. And um, it was complicated, but that, that to me was the easy part. It was the easy part, Mike. Writing yeah. a apocalyptic story with multiple characters, special abilities, clues, mysteries, Setting it to time, setting it to sound, setting it to special the special effects, creating an immersive experience where they believe they're in another world. Easy, 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 easy. What's hard? Getting a phone call about disability insurance when I don't even own it. Like it said, right? It said a piece of paper, IRS. You owe us four thousand dollars. Not there appears to be a problem. You know, maybe you didn't file a piece of paper. It just says, you owe us $4,000. I have to talk to my HR company and they're like, no, they're wrong. You have to fill out this piece of paper and then it goes away. Next week, I get a, a, a $600 bill from the disability insurance. You owe us $650. And I said, oh, I'll just send it to my HR people. They'll fix it again. And they're like, oh yeah, do you have disability insurance? And I'm like, yeah, you, I, with you guys. And they're like, no, no, we didn't, we didn't give you disability insurance. And, and I'm like, do I need it? And they're like, yeah, you need it. So they're like, okay, now you got to fill out this piece of paper. They're going to lower the fine to $250 instead of $650. And then we'll give you the disability insurance on that. And like, you don't know. Well, how are you supposed to know this? You're just supposed to know. And then icing on the cake. A year after I closed the show, 2018, I get a letter from a – they call me from a collections agency. You owe us $1,600. We're a collection agency. Pay us right now. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. I don't know who you are. I'm just, I need some information because I don't believe I owe, I owe this money. And they're like, cash or check. And I'm like, can you tell me like, what's this for? Who's it from? And they said, you can call our office again. And he hung up on me. And it turns out that the disability people they have my phone number, they have my address, they have my everything. They just sent my last bill to collections instead of actually just getting the money from me. So here I am dealing with the collections company a year later for $1,600 that I paid in full because I pay my debts. But that's the kind of stuff we had to deal with. Nothing could prepare you for that garbage. I'll tell you what. That's a whole nother side of running a business. I know. Right? HR, all that other stuff, man. Yeah. And the tax man. Just all this other stuff that comes with it, right? But one of the things you were talked about was you, you know, stressing out, right? You decided to close down the business, right? What was the decision point for that? And how did that make you feel 
as an entrepreneur in terms of like your confidence as well. Because I talked to a lot of entrepreneurs and I talked to a lot of classmates from the academy, just being quite frank. And a lot of people are struggling from a lack of confidence from something they messed up with or a failure they experienced. And now they're still licking their wounds. Yeah. So it, it took a dive. I'll tell you what, because it's like, damn it. You know, I, I failed and it cost a lot of money. Why did I even do that? Like you jackass, like, don't you know better? Right. Um, and it took me a couple months to shake that off. Right. Cause I'm like, uh, mentally, not, not physically or financially. Right. Um, so I'm like, ah, that, that, that sucked. Right. So I didn't, I, I finished my MBA. I finished, uh, intermediate level education for, uh, the army, right. The command and general staff college. I finished that. Uh, so that took my mind off that whole thing. I, I tried to figure out how can I shift this company to start making money. And then I got some government contracts. I got a contract with the DMV trying to help them not to get punched in the face anymore. Right. Um, I got a contract with uh, uh, Joint Special Operations University teaching. Right. So I was able to to move on to other stuff. Uh, but you still had to play it in your head. Like, was it all worth it? You know, what were the mistakes I made? How could I have changed it? And then what, so what finally did it was uh, six months later, I finally decided to do the video of the experience. So this is a no crap eight minute video. I'll send it to you so you can share every single thing about this experience that I wanted to accomplish and why I did it and the success that, that came from it. Right. And it turned into a masterpiece. I, I, it took um, 330 clips from like 21 hours of video and still shots and everything like that um, of, of, of our entire experience. And I distilled it down to an amazingly uh, narrated, narrated video. And I created like a documentary of our experience and why we did what we did. Um, and once I was done with that, it was like, oh, I felt much better. When, going through it, I'm just like, oh, my God, why? You know, like, uh, there's only like two or three parts where I didn't like stuff that happened. Everything else I absolutely loved, and it was amazing. So um, it took a while, but, I, you know, you got you to get back on the horse, man. You know, my family didn't stop being there, right? Um, I still have to feed kids, right? So I, I yeah. went back and we'll put my nose to the ground still and started making some changes. Failure is just the cost of doing business. Yeah. It is what it is, right? It just comes with the territory. You're going to lose money. You're going to make money, but that's the, it's the game of business, right? The yeah. idea is that you get better as you go along. Now, another thing you talked about was putting your family at risk, right? How, where was that coming from? Right? Well, uh, so financial, like, like uh, after I was done and I realized that I, I, I was in the, in the, in the hole, I said, man, like, I need to get money to get out of this hole, right? So I, I, I got creative and started doing uh, different contracts and stuff like that, trying to see how I could change this out instead of doing the, the nine to five notes to the grindstone stuff. I could do that too, but um, I had to figure that out. So I relooked my real estate portfolio and started putting money into that and uh, started getting these jobs. I reached out to things I never did before, like, oh, I don't know doing a nationally televised commercial, right? They had casting. 
I applied and I got casted in a nationally televised commercial, which very helped my finances. You know, but anybody can do that. Anybody can apply for a nationally televised commercial. You just need to try, right? And then when luck, you know, what opportunity and preparedness comes together, you, you get it. So I was lucky to get it because I saw the post and I applied and I made a decision to ask my family to join me in this commercial. And we were in a nationally televised commercial and helped help my bank account a lot, you know. That's awesome. Gotta be scrappy. My man is holding a slinky, by the way. I haven't yeah. seen a slinky in like 20 years. So I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, I have toys, man. It's the it's all about the toys. So what's your B hag now, right? So you've got this experience behind you. Yeah. You know, now you're doing government contracts, but what's the B hag? Both your personal B hag and your professional B hag for a first person experience. Big hairy audacious goal. Oh, oh what are you God. working so towards I'll, now? I'll let you know now. I don't I don't care. I love putting this out there. We are going to create something that's never been done before. We're going to create our own countries, a set of countries that the national security apparatus and maybe more can interact with for training purposes. So what does that mean? Every single day, the United States Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, they fight fictitious countries in training um, to meet their goals, their training goals. Um, we want to create one of those that's open 24 7 365 that can give them training in their thinking skills their cognitive skills how would we fight how would we fight this new unique challenge um what type of non-military uh powers instruments of power can we apply to this nation so that we can get our goals right this is what we're dealing with every single day in the national security arena but there's nothing that allows us to train on it effectively um, and creatively and, uh, you know, and apply our innovation that way. Everything's focused on robots and AI and garbage like that. I want to be able to let people be creative and test our ideas so that our nation could become safer in the future and we can do something. Um, okay. Have fun doing it. Right. It's, it's going to be fun. Um, and uh, I think that's going to be, it's never been done before. So that's why I have to do careful. And the other thing I did was never been done before either, but I have to do the math better this time. Right. Yeah. So that's our higher audacious goal is to create this fictitious land where we engage with uh, as if it were real um, and uh, better our national security complex, whether it's the military, civilians, industry academia we want to do that and so just to make it a little clearer everybody knows black panther right right he's a fictional character he comes from wakanda wakanda is a fictional country in africa right they have a material that they that they collect it's called vibranium vibranium it's a magical metal right so everyone knows the story of Black Panther, but they can't go visit him where he is, right? So we can use the same thing to teach our people. This, using the story of Wakanda, the story of Black Panther, um, we can create our own country with our own backstory and everything like that and use that to ignite the imagination of our people in this, this dynamic environment. That's badass. And it's, here's yeah, why. It's, it's interesting, right? right? When I was at the basic school, I think we fought the Centurions or whoever it was. Yeah. We had our little fictional... Um, enemy, yeah. right? 
but I can see where you're going, right? You start to create this whole lore. You create this whole government, the yep. backstory and everything. And like, I watch a show, The Expanse. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's storytelling, excellent storytelling. Excellent. excellent storytelling, you know, the dream of Mars, right? Just kind of how they set this whole government. So what you're talking about is creating this lore and creating everything that can actually serve as like a national fictional enemy. Um, yeah, yeah. And, uh, have... and it doesn't have to be enemy, frenemy, yeah. enemy, friend, everything, right? Because that's what that's that's real world stuff. We want to. I want to do stuff that no one's ever thought about, so that we can prepare for stuff that we never thought about. For example, if I went back five years. And I told you that, yo, I'm going to drop $2,000 on some bored apes. It's a picture. It's a JPEG. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, you're going to do, you're going to spend $2,000 on a picture of monkeys, right? No one would ever think, no one would ever dream that. But guess what? We had no concept of that. So I want to help our, our country get ready to face those type of new amazing challenges. Crypto. AI, climate change, uh, cold fusion, uh, freaking going to Mars, right? Going back to the moon, Starlink, right? All that stuff, that, these, these things that people have never thought about or are on the cusp of happening, we can create those fictional situations and help us in this type of uh, venture. There's a lot of opportunity there now, even when I think about the whole what's going on in space, right? I remember... I met a Marine of mine who I served with in Afghanistan and we grabbed drinks in Ohio, right? This was like four years ago. He just graduated Ohio State Business School and he was thinking about a venture. And I was like, oh, what's your venture? And he was basically starting like a, he wanted to start a, a, a company that cleans up debris in space. Oh, like yeah. garbage. Money. And I remember four years ago, I was like, well, that's kind of interesting, right? Then I found myself at the Hoover Institution and what are they talking about? The number one space. Threat. Yeah, they're like, what the hell is going on in space? You know, we got all kind of stuff up there and satellites. Like, there's a whole situation going on. And I hit him up and I was like, yo, this man saw the future. And I say that to say as entrepreneurs, our job for ourselves is to create that future. Yeah. We manifest it into reality. So I can see where you're headed with your stuff. Um, and I just want to encourage, like, that's the biggest thing I've learned about this whole kind of journey of, like, we have to create the future we want for ourselves. If you can, uh, Disney said, you know, if you could dream it, you can do it, right? Right. And that's the type of stuff that 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 forward thinking. Um, I, I'm against anti forward thinking, right? There was a, there's someone who wrote an article that said, in space, no one can hear you, ura. Why there will never be space marines? And I'm like, the audacity of this guy. I could give you 10 examples of space Marines and how they can be successful in the future. Right. And this guy's saying, no, can never happen. Madness. It's, it's actually madness to say something like that, but yeah. to say that, you know, they could be dropping into other planets. They could be doing things on satellites and stuff. That's not madness. I, like, I believe we should promote our creativity, use it. Right. That's the dream of being an entrepreneur. We create things, right? Let's go. This is my favorite example. Back in the 80s, the number one fear of parents for their children was someone driving up in a car and snatching them up. Back in the 90s, late 90s, the number one fear for parents was that the kids would get on the internet 
and meet someone from the internet and the internet person would snatch them up, right? Then internet switched to your phone. And now we got this thing, it's called Uber. You use your phone to call a stranger in a car to come pick you up. So what changed, right? What changes happen in our culture to go from the two biggest fears we had growing up to now we are doing the exact opposite of it. And it's created a absolute ride-sharing uh, industry, right? Completely changed the way we do business, changed our vernacular. You don't say, let me, ca- let me call a taxi anymore. You say, let me get an Uber. Even that Uber is a Lyft or a Via or a, yeah, the other hundred uh, yeah. uh, ones out there, right? You get it, you get it. I love thinking about this stuff, and I think that entrepreneurs we can change the thinking and, and help people move along in 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 our in our lives. Just hearing you talk, I need to write an article on why entrepreneurs need to think like fiction authors. Mm-hmm. So I think about Robert Hulanius, who wrote the first star, who wrote Starship Troopers. Yeah, and introduced the modern way we think about space marines. You got the Peter Diamandis of the world. Love it. Right. Who came up with the X prize. Right. Yeah. That we were going to, you know, fly this rocket in the in the space, whatever. Um, Guys like Elon Musk who were like, I'm going to build my own SpaceX. Right. Yeah. And even when you think about the original Starship Troopers movie, the one that came out like the 1990s. Yeah. You remember how those sci fi movies, they would do like what we're doing on screen, how you could talk to somebody and look at them at the same time. And that was like futuristic technology. Yeah, yeah. Now we do it on our iPhones. You yeah. and I are doing it that right now. Like, that was like eight years away. Yeah, but like in the 1990s, right? Nobody was, even in 2000s, right? Like there nope. was real no video software like this, nope. you know? Um, so it is cool about creating that future, man. And it's uh, this is a whole, this is a good conversation to have. Yeah, yeah. I might, we, I mean, talk about this it, on my other podcast. And I, I, I'm going to make this world, right? Uh, I'm going to make it. It's going to be amazing. No one's ever done it before. That's fine. I don't care that nobody's ever done it. I'll be the first, right? Um, but uh, we got to figure out how to market it, right? You know, the government is a disgusting beast monster that you have to know yeah. uh, uh, how to how to create something that works with it and you get paid from it. But I don't want to do that. I'm going to do my own thing and then make them pay me. Just like, uh, you know, Elon Musk didn't say, you know, I can make a spaceship that I could sell to the government. Nope. He made, you know, his spaceships. He made his rockets. And then guess what? The government's like, yo, can, can we, we, need can we get a ride? Right. You know, yeah. I think one of the, you know, the moon landing was a significant emotional event right before we were born, you know? Uh, I think when those two rockets landed at the same exact time from coming from space, the, 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 the SpaceX rockets, I think that, that watching that happen was to me a moon landing, right? Getting these rockets that, you know, reusable rockets, NASA yeah. never did that before, yeah. right? Uh, I think that was an absolute uh, um, point in our history of uh, space exploration technology, you know, ambitious goals and everything like that. We can be so much more. We can do amazing things, right? Um, you just got to believe in yourself. I want to encourage our listeners to get a book called uh, The Art of Impossible. I forgot who wrote it, but in it, he talks about the, uh, is it the, not SpaceX challenge, the challenge we just talked about before that, Peter Diamandis, right? How he wanted to take a civilian, take a reusable shuttle and fly it you know, have a civilian or something fly it in, in the space. The X Challenge, X Prize. I think that's what it's called, X Prize. 
Nobody thought it was possible. And you know what he did? Sat down on his computer, wrote some stuff, took some walks, wrote some stuff. And the whole preface of the book is like, that's what impossible looked like, right? It looked like somebody literally creating this and manifesting it. Now, granted, he was the one that built it, but he got the idea in the atmosphere and spread it, right? And so people start to take it and run with it, and we did it. And so I really want to encourage people to check out that book. And as we close out, you know, uh, today's show, Daniel, what advice would you like to leave our listeners with as they continue on their own entrepreneurial journey? And also, how can we support everything you're doing with first-person experience? And something we also didn't talk about was your book series, um, Military Brat. Yeah, um, well, for entrepreneurs out there and vets, you know, reach out to another one, a vet or entrepreneur and learn from them. So hopefully you can learn mistakes faster right through their experiences. Um, and you have to get, get out there and, and try. You have to do it. You know, there comes a point where you got to dream and dream and dream, and then you have to actually ex execute, right? But that comes with risk. And in the military, we manage risk. We're probably some of the best risk managers out there. We have to do things like jump out of airplanes, shoot tanks, you know, scuba diving and stuff like that. Very risky uh, adventures, but we manage that risk. So I want everybody out there who's an entrepreneur to manage that risk. If you have no money, right, uh, you know, and a family to take care of, you got to make money for your family first, right? So don't risk it all trying to build a super amazing thing that no one's ever heard of because um, you're putting your family at risk, right? So try to find a balance. You know, you could get a job while working that on, on the weekend. Todd wrote about it in his book, right? The Third Shift Entrepreneur, right? That, you know, make sure that you, you don't have to quit everything you, you're doing right now to go become an entrepreneur. You could take baby steps and, and head towards that direction. Um, and if you want to go all in, you can go all in, but understand that that comes with a cost, right? Um, so, you know, you, and you, you might not like that cost, right? So manage your risk, right? Uh, there comes a point, uh, manage your risk, understand what steps you have to take to take care of your family, to take care of the business, then talk to other people, learn from them. And then you have to actually get to the doing it phase where you actually get in the trenches and learn so that you can become, you could try it out and become successful or, or learn some more, right? Um, so with my business, um, we're doing good right now. We're, we're just doing some government contracts. Uh, you guys can follow me on LinkedIn. You just hit me up on LinkedIn. I totally love to meet people. Um, we're not launching that new project this year or uh, anytime soon. I'll let everybody know when that happens. Um, you can help us by going to our, our book uh, website, theadventuresofamilitarybrat.com, adventuresofamilitarybrat.com. It is a book series designed specifically for military children. It's like the Bernstein Bears. Uh, they have a book about moving. Everybody moves. Papa Bear has to move, get a U-Haul and move, right? But Papa Bear doesn't have to PCS. Papa Bear doesn't have to deploy, right? Papa Bear doesn't have to get RPGs shot at him, right? So we created a book series to help military children understand the terminology of moving, you know, the terminology of deploying and things like that in a positive way to encourage their mental health. So it's made for teachers, practitioners, children. We have two books right now in the series. Um, one is My Military Life, which takes you in a day of a military child. And the second one is, uh, it's, uh, it's called The Big Move, right? Which is um, a book on PCSing, 
how you can create positive emotional experiences for your child when you're moving. Um, highly encourage everybody to check them out. You can get them from our website. Um, and we have some more on the way. We uh, Challenges, right? Our, our animator um, fell off a horse and hurt her wrist. So she, catastrophically. So we have to get a new animator, right? But things like that happen, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, we have two more books uh, on the way uh, for the series. We just got to get our animator uh, and we've got to find some time for that. Love it, man. Well, I appreciate you making time, man. Daniel, you're always a great conversation, man. Like, <laughs> you and him have chopped it up a couple times. We hadn't yeah. talked much during the pandemic, we but so long, I, like, I know. I feel like when I hit you up, man, we picked up like right where we left off. So uh, absolutely, yeah. Like, it's always a pleasure talking with you, man. I love seeing you grow, you change. Because I know we we were sitting. You're like you're like, bro, this sucks. And I'm like, yeah, this sucks. And he's like, yo, I'm getting my MBA. I'm like, I'm getting my MBA too. That sucks. He's like, yeah, that sucks. You know, like that commiseration, that learning, that being together is so powerful and you make friends for life. Right. And that's what we I don't, are. Know, I don't remember where we were coming from. I remember we were walking down the street and you were talking to me about your MBA. I don't have MBA. I got my master's. Oh, master's. Yeah. Well, same garbage. They're the same, yeah, same garbage. garbage. Um, but yeah, man, I just remember walking with you down the street, just chopping it up, man. And so great to get you on the podcast, man. You dropped a lot of gems. For our listeners, this is the real entrepreneur story, right? You just talked, you just heard someone who made a hundred thousand dollars and lost like 150 at the same time. Yeah, right? at the like, same time. It's, 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 you know, this is the real stories, right? These are not the people on Forbes. They don't want y'all because, like, honestly, it's like the military, right? Like, if you if the Marine Corps did commercials of like police calling and stuff like that, like nobody Breaking would join. gravel. Yeah, like nobody would join like watching Marines move rocks, you yeah. know. Um, so we got to put our best foot forward as entrepreneurs and like sell the dream. But yeah. listen, man, y'all are good. We're telling the real stories because we want you to do it better and not make the mistakes a lot of us have made. So I appreciate y'all for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to our newsletter at the link in the show notes. If there's a topic you'd like to cover on the show. If there's a topic you'd like me to cover on the show or the newsletter, shoot me an email at mike.stedman at bunkerlabs.org or message me directly on LinkedIn at ironmikestedman. Head over to bunkerlabs.org. Make sure y'all get plugged into the ecosystem. We got programs that'll take you from idea to invoice, incubate you, and position to grow alongside other founders and CEOs. Until next time, peace, love. Have a great rest of your week, everyone.